We've already been blessed by good uh, praise to the Lord. He's worthy. Is he worthy? And uh, we've and uh, and I love. I looked over sometime. I, I do this sometime, and I don't want to be a judge of anybody. But I look over to see whether men are praising God because we ought to. It's masculine to praise God. I want to challenge you, man. It's masculine to praise God. Don't th- don't don't you give that away to the children and to the women. It's our great and high privilege to praise God and let our sons and our daughters and our grandchildren see people praising God. Right? So it's wonderful. And I like talking to men. I'm a man. I want to say this right off the bat. Like, there, there is not this much difference between us. Not that much. You know, the challenges that you face, I face. The things that threaten you and put you in peril, put me in peril. Things you fear, I fear. Right? I mean, the things that that jeopardize the things you love the most, I'm in jeopardy of those things. That's just how it is. Um, a wise man said that there is very little difference in men. But what little difference there is makes a big difference. I mean, just to think, there's very little difference between me and David, the man after God's own heart. Very little difference in David and me. But what little difference there is <laughs> makes all the difference in the world, Right? And, and the difference that makes the difference and made the difference in David's life was that he was a man after God's own heart, a man after God's own heart. And being a man, he was as vulnerable as any of us because there's not that much difference, really. So over the next, you know, couple of days when we're together, I don't stand up here and wag my finger like I'm Maha Noedowski. I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'm in the fight. I'm, I'm in the fight. And so I want to, my thing is I'm on assignment, right? I've been asked to come. Jim Cagle, this is his fault. And uh, Matt, these guys invited me to come. And I'm, I just, I just come to share. And here's what I say quite often. When I'm talking to men, I love talking to men because this is where the action is. That, that um, you know, I'm going to talk to myself and just kind of like let you listen. Right? And don't be surprised if some of it splash out on you. I mean, I find out that's the best kind of preaching. If I just preach to myself and then everybody else listen, we all learn. We all the needle moves. So I want you to kind of like just understand this. We're like we're in the fight together, and over these next few weeks, a uh, few, <laughs> few uh, days, and messages that I'm preaching to myself and let you all listen, you know, and and that, and that nobody's here to accuse. Nobody's here to. We're just here to 
be iron that sharpens iron in one another's life. So why don't you take your Bible and turn to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter number 39. Genesis chapter number 39. I know, guys, you know, uh, it's, it's already been sort of a long day. Um, we're, we're coming to the end of the week. It feels like Friday already. But we're at coming to the end of the week, and you're like me. I mean, you know, you, you're tired and had things to do. And, 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 and let's face it. You know, you had to push a little to get here. You, you, you know, if, if, if this is an average group of men, you had to push a little. You had to, you had to push some stuff aside. You had to prioritize this. You had to, if you're like me and you probably are just like me, this, you had to really get over the idea of why did I sign up for this thing? Right? I mean, here it is. It's on us. Like, three months ago, this was such a good idea, but why did I do this? So, but you're here now, so we may as well settle in and let God do what he wants to do, all right? Let it, like we said in the hood, let it do what it do. So, here, I love this chapter of the Word of God. I, I, I want to talk about it, and it's about Joseph. Are y'all with me tonight? Joseph. Now, Joseph is a tremendous character in the Word of God. Joseph is the Old Testament Jesus. Right? There, there are many people, places, and things in the Old Testament that picture Jesus. The whole Bible is about Jesus. The whole Bible. Yeah. Right? Back over in Genesis 22, as Isaac and Abraham were going up Mount Moriah, and Isaac has the wood in his hand. He's a picture of Jesus, by the way. Abraham's a picture of God the Father. You know that story, Mount Moriah. They're going up Mount Moriah. Isaac asked a question of his dad. Like, I've got the wood. You've got the fire. You've got the knife. Abraham had the instruments of judgment. Isaac carried this wood, just like Jesus carried the cross. And he's a picture of Christ. And they're going up the mountain, and Isaac asked a question, and that question sort of echoed all through the Old Testament with every sacrifice. Here's his question. Where is the lamb? Where is the lamb? Remember what Abraham said? The Lord will provide himself a lamb. You remember that? Where is the lamb? Where is the lamb? Where is the lamb? Now watch this. That question is not answered until John chapter number one, when John is baptizing in Jordan and he looks up and he sees Jesus and he says, behold the lamb. The lamb of God, the lamb of God, not just a lamb, the lamb of God, not just a lamb for the individual, not just a lamb for a family, not just a lamb for, lamb, a, lamb for a, a nation, but behold the lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the what? World. And then, of course, in Revelation, we hear, worthy is the Lamb. So the Old Testament, it was the expectation of the Lamb. Where's the Lamb? Then in the, in the Gospels, it was the examination of the Lamb. The Lamb of God had to be, that Lamb that they took at Passover Lamb had to be examined. It had to be without spot and without blemish. And that's what the Gospels do with Jesus Christ. 
Matthew looked at him from this direction and Mark looked at him from this direction. Luke looked at him from this direction. John looked at him from this direction. There was an examination of the lamb. He was found to be perfect. As the king of the Jews, as a suffering servant, as the perfect man, as the son of God. So the, exact, the, the, the expectation of the lamb, the examination of the lamb, and then the exaltation of the lamb. I'm saying that the whole Bible is about Jesus and all the people, places, and things that picture Jesus. Joseph is the clearest picture. I love talking about Joseph because here's how. Okay. Does this bore you? I hope it don't. I'm going to say it anyway. I just want to know whether you're bored or not. <laughs> Joseph is the clearest picture. Here's why. Because, because Joseph was his father's well-beloved son. And Jesus is the father's well-beloved son. In Genesis chapter number 37, you see Joseph there with his father in a place called Hebron. You know what Hebron means? Fellowship. And it's a picture of Jesus being in the bosom of his father in perfect fellowship. But you might remember that Joseph was sent from his father into Shechem, into the world to see about his brothers. Go see how your brothers are doing. You remember that? And Jesus was sent from the bosom of the Father into the world to see about his brothers, the Jews. Well, you know what happened when Joseph came to his brothers? They saw him and they rejected him. And Jesus came to his own and his own received him not. Joseph's brothers sold him for 20 pieces of silver and turned him over to the Gentiles. Jesus' brothers sold him for 30 pieces of silver, turned them over to the Romans, to the Gentiles. Joseph was put into a place of death. He wound up in a prison, in a place of death. Jesus was stretched wide on a cross, crucified, put into a, prison, into a grave, Sepulchre, a place of death. But remember, Joseph didn't stay down in that prison. He came up out of that prison and was seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. And up from the grave, Jesus rose and is seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. You remember what the king did? He gave Joseph a Gentile bride. And the king has given Jesus a Gentile bride. It's called a what? The church. And just like Joseph's bride brought forth fruit to him, Manasseh and Ephraim, so are we to be fruitful for the Lord. But not only that, after Joseph received his bride, he turned his attention back to his brothers and put them through a time of testing. And severe trial until the day when they recognized him for who he was and they bowed their knee. And Jesus, when the church is completed, 
would turn his attention back to his brothers, Israel. He's going to put them through a tribulation period. It's called the time of Jacob's trouble. And it's during this time they're going to recognize Jesus, the very one they earlier rejected. They will bow their knees before him. And just like Joseph brought his brothers into the kingdom, Jesus will bring his brothers into the kingdom. Joseph is the Old Testament Jesus. Now, that's not what I'm talking about, though. What I want to talk about is chapter 39. Very quickly now, I want to talk. So y'all got to listen fast. I'm doing the best I can up here. Joseph, this is the definitive chapter in Joseph's life. This is what we call a make or break chapter. Chapter 39. And I want to talk to you tonight on the, out of this chapter. We're going to look at every verse. We'll move through quickly now because it's, it's, it's late Thursday. And we were, so, but I want, to, I want to talk to you on this subject. Here it is. Now write it down. The test of a testimony. The test of a testimony. Now, now listen. Every single one of us has a testimony. But I want to tell you something. There is no testimony without tests. Joseph had a testimony. Oh, you can read about Joseph and his brothers come to him after his daddy was dead. And they said, oh, now dad said, don't be mean to us. And you ought to hear that over in Genesis 50. It's beautiful as Joseph gives a little of his testimony. But Joseph didn't have this testimony without tests. And what I want to talk about in this chapter are the tests. And I might say four tests of a testimony. Read with me now. I'm going to read the first six verses. We'll make some comments and then we'll move to the next batches. This, this story moves in four different, this chapter, there are four different movements in this chapter. Okay? Four different things I want you to observe. Four different tests, trials that Joseph endures. The tests of his testimony. And I think this is good for us as men. Notice what it says here. We're going to read verses 1 down to verse number 6. Y'all with me? All right. All right. Now, now, Joseph had been brought down to Egypt. Remember his brothers sold him, right? And Joseph with all those special dreams God gave him. God gave that boy a special dream. But at the opening of this chapter, you know what it seems like? Shattered dreams. Shattered dreams. All those dreams he had about his brothers bowing down, all those grand dreams, they were special dreams, but they look like shattered dreams now. <laughs> because he's taken to Egypt. And it says, now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had brought him from the Ishmaelites, who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph. You mark that. And he became success, a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him. 
See that? And the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him. And he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had. The Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. And then it says, incidentally, in verse number six, now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Would you look this way? Here's the first test. The first test is the test of prosperity. Say that back to me. Guys, you got to participate. If you don't, you're going to drift away now. The first test is the test of what? The test of prosperity. Now watch. Here's the test of prosperity. The test of prosperity is when everything is coming up roses. Now this boy had been sold as a slave. He goes to Egypt. He finds himself, the Bible says in, in one of the Psalms, Psalm 105, he finds himself in shackles in the slave market. Along comes this Egyptian official and he buys Joseph and he takes him over to his house. This is Potiphar. He takes him over to his house. And Joseph goes to work at Potiphar's Incorporated. And there he is now, a lowly slave in Potiphar's house. There he is now doing arduous, back-breaking work as a slave bought for a little money on the slave market. Nobody knows who he is. His daddy doesn't know where he is. And there he is as a slave. But the Bible said that the Lord was with him. And God caused everything he did to prosper. And God began to bless him. And he began to distinguish himself as being a young man of character. And the blessing of God was upon his life. And so step by step and deed by deed and day by day and decision by decision, Joseph began to distinguish himself from everybody else. And it wasn't long before Joseph ended up as the CEO of the whole joint. I mean, he's got him a corner office with a button tuck leather chair. And a window with a view. He is the man. He is the chief steward at Potiphar's Incorporated. And I'm telling you, everything is in the black. And I'm telling you, God has his hand on everything Joseph did. Joseph had like the Midas touch. Everything he touched turned to gold. And Potiphar ain't nobody fool. He sees this. Everything he put in Joseph's hand went cha-ching. So he thought, he started looking for stuff to put in his hand. And sure enough, everything he had in the house and in the field began to grow. And Joseph was enjoying wonderful success. This is a test of prosperity. The test of prosperity asks this question. Who's going to get the glory when you succeed?
There is something about success. There is something about achievement. There's something about advancement. There's something about promotion. There is something about excelling. There is something about all these things that inebriates us. Gives us a drunken sense of our own importance. And how easy it would be at that time in our lives to begin to take the glory that belonged only to God. It's a test. Who's going to get the glory when you are rip-roaring success? When everything is turning up roses? When you are prospering? When you got gas in the car, food in the cupboard, and you got money in the bank? Your children are healthy, you're healthy, and everything's going well. Who gets the glory in all of that? That's a test. And Joseph now is, is hey, they didn't know who he was. He was down in the mail room. He was working with the hoe and the axe and the, and, the, and, the, and the shovel. And now he's the man running the thing. And, and brought, as he moved across uh, the, uh, down the halls and the corridors there, people would, uh, good morning, uh, Mr. Joseph. As he moved through that, I mean, he was a big name and a big success. Who gets the glory? That's a question for you and a question for me. Because you see, the Bible says twice in those six verses that the Lord was with him, that the Lord was with him, that the Lord caused everything he did to prosper in his hand. It makes it clear that he's a success because of God. And can I say this? Everything I am and everything you are, everything I have, everything you have, you have because of God. Nothing more, nothing less, and nothing else. It's the grace of God. Who gets the glory? You know what our problem is, guys? And you're like me. I'm like you. You know, you know what our problem is? We are proud of what we ought to be humbled by. Yeah. It ought to humble us that your business, you ought to be humbled that your business is doing as well as it's doing. Humble that your church is doing as well as it's doing. Humble that your children are as healthy as they are. Humble that your marriage is as strong as it is. Humble that you have the health you have. Humble that you are sharp in your mind as you are. But instead of being humbled, we are proud of what we ought to be humbled by. And we get a drunken sense of who we are. Because we're enjoying the prosperity that only God can give. You know what you are? You know what I am? I quite often say this. I'm a turtle on the fence post. You ever, you ever, you ever see a turtle on a fence post? It's a safe assumption somebody put him there. He didn't climb up there. He didn't hop up there. He didn't fly up there. Somebody put him there. Wherever you are in life, whatever successes you might be enjoying tonight, you need to realize that you are simply a turtle on the fence post. God put you there. 
It was the goodness of God. It was the grace of God that blessed you. You said, oh, no, 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 preacher, you don't understand. I made all the right move when others made the wrong move. And yes, I went to school and I studied hard and I learned my craft and I know how to do this and I know how to do that. All of that's wonderful. That's good. But I want you to understand something. You are being blessed primarily in spite of you, not because of you. And if you are honest, you'd admit that. God's been good to you not because you're such a good person. God's been good to you because he's a good God. And, um, and here's what you need to know about God. And I need to remember it about God, my God, your God. That God is a God who blesses. God, God wants to bless. That's who God is. God is a blesser. God ain't chinchy. God ain't stingy with blessing. God is a good God, and he, he is a benevolent Father. And he gives us richly all things to enjoy. That's who God is. God is a blesser. And God doesn't mind you. God ain't threatened by your blessing. God, God wants you. God will bless you with a good job and good health and a good family and a good thing, this and that. God, God is a blessing. That's who he is. But while God says you can have the blessing and enjoy the blessing, he says don't touch the glory. The blessings are yours. The glory is his. Our problem is we want the blessings and the glory. God says, I'm the Lord, that's my name, and I'm not sharing my glory with another. So the prosperity, the advancements, the achievements in life are a test. You think about this. You said, oh, preacher, hey, I don't just tell you this. Friend, I know this to be true. There are, there are, that you got a, you got a business, your business is in the black, your business is doing good. Listen, wonderful. Give God the praise because I'm going to tell you something. There are people who, who worked harder at their business, who did all the right things, who prepared themselves in all the right way, and their business still didn't make it. Why are you so proud? God's blessed you. You say, I got wonderful children. My children make me so proud. I'm going to tell you something. Listen to me. And I know it to be true. You say, I did all. I parented them right. Listen, I'm telling you that I know godly parents put their knees on the floor, prayed for their sons and daughters. All of that. Years poured out salty tears for God to steer them right and keep them right and all that and tonight their hearts are broken and their kids is places they don't, couldn't imagine you got great kids, you thank God for that, that's the grace of God, that's the goodness of God don't you get your hands on God's glory, enjoy the blessing be humble not proud What's the first test? Prosperity. Prosperity, okay. 
All right, let's look at verse number seven now. We're going to start at verse number seven, all right? Now, notice what it says here. Uh, at, oh, by the way, verse number six says, And Joseph was handsome, and he was, he was, he was handsome in form and appearance, like the boy had it going on. You know what I'm talking about? Right? So, like, verse, and that's, that's important because that's the segue into verse number seven. Notice what it says. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, because of me, my master has no concerns about anything in the house. And he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is, uh, uh, he is no, not greater in the house than I am. Nor has he kept back anything from me except you because you're his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God, don't you like that? Um, now, hot dog. This is this is a great model for you and for me. He he said, "Hey, listen. Everything the master has, he has he's put me in charge of. I my master doesn't know how many pork and beans he's got in the cupboard. He doesn't know what's in his four hundred one k. He doesn't know what's in his IRA. He doesn't know how much money is in the checking account." Um, I, I know all that. He doesn't worry about a thing. There's nothing he hadn't turned over to me except you. And you and his wife. He trusts me explicitly. And then notice what Joseph said. How then can I, I sin and do this great wickedness? Wait a minute. Not against him. But against him. You see this? Here's a man who's practicing the presence of God. God's been good to me, he said. And whatever goodness my master, my earthly master may show me is because of the superintending grace of God. Hey, how many of you know that the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord? And as the rivers of water, he turns it with us wherever he will. I mean, God can change a man's heart. God can make a man bless you, and he don't even know why. I've seen it happen. You got the grace of God on you, the blessings of God. The Bible says when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. And he didn't say he's going to make them love you, but he'll make them leave you alone. So now notice what it says there. He says, and she spoke to, look at verse number 10. And she spoke to Joseph day by day, and he would not listen to her or lie beside her to be with her. Uh, but, but one day when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house were there within the house, she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. Hot dog. This is a word. The first test is the test of what, guys? The second test, here's a test, the test of a testimony, is the test of purity. The test of purity. Now, guys, I'm going to tell you right now. Just what you don't need when everything's going just right. It's for your boss's wife to be messing with you. You don't need that. 
I don't need that. But it's just like the dirty, stinking devil. Hey, let me, let me give you a truism. This will help you. The greater the visibility, the greater the vulnerability. Don't look at me. Write that down. The greater the visibility, the greater. When Joseph was down in the mail room, when Joseph was down, nobody knew who he was. But he began to rise to heights now, and he's a shining mark, and people see him, and he's walking in the corridors of power, and he's moving in a, in a different uh, uh, sphere and operating that way. Now he has visibility, and with increased visibility comes an increased vulnerability. Mm. So she cast her eyes upon him. She began to watch him. And one day she comes to him, verse number 10, she comes to him and she says, lie with me. Here's the test of purity. He said, no, 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 I can't do that. You, you know, God's been too good. I, I can't do that. And, and notice, notice this. He, he, he's trying to avoid this woman. And, 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 and the Bible says, day by day, daily, it was, in, it was incessant. He was bombarded, just like you, just like me. We are bombarded through our senses, what we hear in the music, what we see in suggestions, what it's just we live in a sex soak society. There ain't no, there ain't no, ain't no getting away from it in the culture. Sensory overload. And and so notice, notice the first thing about this particular temptation. How how constant it is. Can I get a witness? It's constant. I mean, I mean, I mean, the devil never lets up. And you and you you lock the front door, he gonna he gonna run around the back to the back door. You lock the front door and the back door, he gonna be pulling at the windows. You lock the windows, turn on the television. He's going to come on the television. You turn the television off and turn on your radio. There he is on the radio. Right on, right on. Amen. Turn that off. Open up the magazine. He's winking at you in the magazine. I mean, there he is. You can't drive down the billboard. There's, there's, a, there's a big sign there saying, hey, I mean, we bear all or, 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 I mean, it's just, hey, we've got these devices. Notice how constant, 
day by day, wave after wave after wave, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, January, February, March, April, May, right? 2021, 2022, 2023, 2023, the 2000s, the 2000s, right? I mean, this is just how it is. It is incessant. We are bombarded. Girls are going downtown in stuff they shouldn't come downstairs in. And we're bombarded. It's the culture. Notice how constant it is. I want you to notice also in verse number 11 how, how, how convenient it is. This, 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 it's opportune. Right? Notice what happened. He, he's avoiding this woman. He, he's trying to, he can hear her coming down the hall with those high heel shoes on. He said, man, let me go this way. Right? The, that's what the Bible says. He had his mind made up. I, I'm not going to have chance meetings. I'm not going to bump into her in the, wall or in, the, in the hall. I hear her coming out of the hall. He's going the other way. Right? Because, hey, that's the flesh. You better you better outsmart yourself. Right? Heard a story about a fellow who was on a diet and he, he, he lived on this end of town. He, was, he had a job on that end of town. And between where he worked and, and where he lived was a donut shop. And he had to be to work at 6 o'clock in the morning. Boy, he wake up, he could smell those donuts. And he's on a diet, man. He's, so he said, you know what? I'm not going to go that way. So he came to this one stop sign. He'd go a mile and a half out of the way and come back on the other side of the donut shop and go to work. And that happened pretty good. But one day he woke up a little bit late. He says, man, I got to get to work. I can pass by that donut shop. It'll be no problem. So he come to this stop sign. Instead of going around, he, he just kept on straight. And as he got closer to those donuts, boy, it's 6 o'clock in the morning. He can smell those donuts. And he's thinking, you know, I'm not going to stop, but I will slow down. And just enjoy the smell of this donuts. He got a little bit closer. He said, I'm going to roll down the window. He's, he's only about 300 feet from the donut shop. He says, okay, I will only stop and get me some of those donuts if there is a parking space right in the front. And, and, and sure enough, after three times around the block, there was one <laughs> right in the front. That's the nature of the flesh. So, so he, 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 but there came a day where despite his best effort, he comes into the room and he's in there reconciling the checkbook. He's taking inventory. He's doing this work. And there she is. And the Bible says, notice the Bible says, and nobody was there. I mean, how convenient. Yeah. Don't be sitting there looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. How convenient. Nobody is here. 
See, the devil will always give you an opportunity to compromise in private what you stood against in public. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, no, we're not going to budge. We're not going to bow. Nebuchadnezzar said, come here, fellas. Let me talk to y'all. Give them another chance. Some private places said, we're not doing it. He'll always give you that opportunity. How convenient. And uh, he, he wasn't complying. And then the Bible says in the next verse, so she, she caught him by his garment. He got him by the, got him by the coat. That's the third thing. Not just, not just constant, not just convenient, but compelling. You know, nature, the, the nature of the flesh is the nature, the, the flesh will demand to be indulged. And I'm not just talking about sexual sin. I'm talking about if you're angry and you don't have a reason to be angry, your flesh wants to be mad. Your flesh wants to hold a grudge. Your flesh demands to be indulged. And so she grabs him by his coat. She says, yes, big boy, tonight. There he is all in there. No, ain't nobody there. And I love this, though. I love this. But he, he left his jacket and he hit I-75 North. <laughs> One preacher said he lost his coat, but he kept his character. By the way, Joseph couldn't keep a coat. I got somebody jacket tonight. You better be glad I ain't like Joseph. Don't lend Joseph no jacket. You'll never see it again. <laughs> he, he lost his coat, but he kept his character, and he ran and left, and the Bible says he got him out. Can I tell you this? The bravest thing a person can do, the bravest thing that a man might be able to do at a particular point in his life is run. I said the bravest thing that I might be able to do at a particular point in my life is run. A person, a man who says, I ain't, a, I ain't afraid of nothing. You ain't courageous. You crazy. That's some things you ought to be afraid of. What's the first test? What's the second test? Here's, here's, here's the third movement now in this story. Notice what it says in verse number 13. It says, and as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of her household and said to them, see, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came in to me to lie with me. She's lying through her teeth. And I, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. Then she laid up his garment by her until his master came home. She told him the same story saying the Hebrew servant whom the, you have brought 
among us came in to, to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. And as soon as his master heard the words of his wife, his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled and Joseph's masters took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the prison. Here's the first test, the test, test of prosperity. Who gets the glory when things go well? Test of purity. Am I going to practice the presence of God? My wife's not there. My children's not there. You're not there. I can't see you. You can't see me. I'm, my, I, my family's in St. Simon, Brunswick, and I'm in Marietta. Test of Prosperity, test of purity. The third test is the test of persecution. Yeah. The Bible says, yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus is going to suffer persecution. Jesus said, for those who live godly, you're going to, many are the afflictions of the righteous. The Bible makes this clear that for the believer, you can expect persecution. The word persecution comes from the word to pursue. It literally means to harass and you can expect to harass. Now, Punishment is when you get what you deserve because you did something wrong. Persecution is when you get what you don't deserve because you did everything right. And Joseph is in trouble, not because he did something wrong, but because he did something right. Some long-tongued slanderous woman scandalized him, and he's thrown in jail. The man's going to believe his wife over Hebrew, and so... Potiphar, much as he might have liked Joseph, could have thought, man, the nerve of this guy, as good as I've been to him, don't he know I'm the one who promoted him? He doesn't realize God's done it all. But, but doesn't he know? And he takes Joseph and throws him into the prison. There's Joseph in the prison. He's being persecuted. I'm going to say very quickly, I'm closing. We can expect as Christian men in this kind of a culture to suffer a little bit for Jesus. Don't get the idea. It's going to be smooth sailing all the way to heaven. Yes, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Blessed are ye when, not if men shall persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. He said, rejoice and be exceeding glad. Why? For great is your reward in heaven. He said, expect it. In the world, you're going to have trouble. But, I've re I, but, but listen, rejoice. I've overcome the world. But we might expect that in a world where evil is put for good and good for evil and bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter, in this topsy-turvy, upside-down, inside-out world, when you're living right, you're going to get in trouble for it. Not because, Hey, and if you get in trouble because you're acting like a jerk, that's one thing. If you get in trouble and people don't like it because you're obnoxious and you got your nose in the air because you, you're holier than thou... That's one thing. But if all you're trying to do is live for Jesus and you believe what you believe and you want to live right and folk going to come and ask you what you believe about this and you just tell them the truth. I don't believe that that a man ought to live with another man or whatever it might be. You're going to get in trouble. I mean, I'm not I'm not looking for the trouble line to get in it. But 
It's unavoidable. It's gonna, this stuff going to splash. The reproaches of those that reproach him are going to get on you. Jesus suffered without the gate. The Bible says, let us, therefore, let us go unto him outside the camp. Let's go. All right, Jesus is suffering out there. Let's go. That's where he is. Test of persecution. Lastly, notice what it says here at uh, verse number 21. I love this. It says, but the Lord was with Joseph. <laughs> Don't you like that? The Lord was with Joseph and, um, and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because here it is, the Lord was with him and whatsoever he did, the Lord made to succeed or prosper. If the first test is the test of prosperity and the second test is the test of purity and the third test is the test of persecution, here's the last test and guys will be done. The last test is the test of patience. Patience. Might be one of the hardest tests. Test of patience. You know what the test of patience is? The test of patience is, is, is learning how, by God's good grace, to be still. You have no power to lobby, no power to change anything. It is what it is, a power to be still and know that he is God. That's easier to preach about than it is to live. It's easier for you to fill your notebook up than to have your heart filled with it. It's just a hard truth. But God wants us to learn how to be still and be patient and learn how to wait on the Lord to do what only the Lord can do in his way and in his time. Mm. God had a plan. Joseph, I've got a plan, so you just be still. I know you're in the furnace of affliction, but hey, I got my eye on the clock and I got my hand on the thermostat. <laughs> you're not going to stay one minute longer and it's not going to get one degree hotter than I want it to get. So you be still. I mean, I mean, you say, well, Joseph, he, he's the man, but he, was, he used to run a Fortune 500 company. He's in prison. So what? You the inmate of the year. <laughs> that ain't no big deal. So you know what Joseph has to do? He just has to wait on the Lord. God gave him special dreams. Those special dreams turn into shattered dreams. But won't be long before they're sweet dreams. Because it's going to turn out just exactly like God promised him. But in the meantime, you got to wait on the Lord. And I might be talking to somebody tonight and, 
you right in the throes of one of these tests. Hey, listen, all of us, are, you know, these things go in and out of our lives. It's seasonal and cyclical. And this test, maybe I'm talking to somebody and you, and you believe in God for something and you're just in a holding pattern. And it's just, the word for you tonight is just wait on the Lord. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be with or walk and not be faint. Waiting on the Lord is not like waiting on the bus where you watch your watch and tap your toe. It is, it is settling in and settling down and believing good things of God. And know that he'll do it his way and his timing. And being okay with that. Patience is not just waiting. You got to wait anyway. You can't subpoena God. You just have to wait. But waiting with the right attitude. Actively waiting. Serving him while you wait. It's like, like your server at Longhorns. Or they serve you. They don't presume to tell you what they're going to do for you. They are waiting on you to tell them what the, you want them to do. You wait on the Lord. Active waiting. Test of prosperity, test of purity, the test of persecution, and the test of patience. These are the tests of Joseph's testimony. These are the tests of your testimony. Let's bow for prayer. And um, as our heads about tonight, and we... Um, I suppose going into discussion, guys, I'm going to just say again tonight, I, you know, I don't preach this well, but I know I don't live it as well as I preach it. It's, this is, this is, this is, this is big boy Christianity, right? And so only by the grace of God. That we do well in these tests, only by the grace of God. You won't be able to do it in your might. I can't do it in my might. We have no might. But God works in that weakness that we have. My, our most becoming attribute to God is our helplessness. Embrace that. Be helpless and let God be our help. Father, tonight we're thankful for the privilege of be together, pull aside from this old busy world and, and to be at man camp, to be, to be challenged and changed by the truth of your word. Um, we pray that these, that tonight this, your word uh, would not fall on deaf ears, but that we would, uh, we would hear what you have to say and that it would resonate in our souls and we would, we would learn what you want us to know and live out what we've learned. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for these guys. You know, you know all of us, but you know each of us and where we are in these, these various tests and, and, and others that were not even mentioned tonight, but you know. So I do pray, God, that you would take these few scattered words and bless them to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. Amen.